Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. How are you? Funny story for you. Not so funny for me. Definitely oversharing, right? Uh, so I've had a numb bum all week. My my left buttock has been numb. And uh, I think it's because instead of doing the sensible thing and using a footstool when I'm on the loo, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I've been using a pedal bin, which is really far too high for the job. And I think I've pinched a nerve from sitting like that. Um, so as you know, I'm not a medical professional. I might be talking absolute nonsense and someone will definitely tell me if that's the case. But um, yeah, consider this a warning. Use a footstool or a couple of toilet rolls, not a bin. Bad idea. That is your public service announcement for today. This week, I bring you a chat with Dr. Adana Okai-Halam, who's an obstetrics and gynaecology registrar with an interest in urogynaecology. And the reason I wanted to speak to her is because of an academic article that she co-wrote last year, which I came across when I was writing the book. It's called Pelvic Floor Muscle Training, A Practical Guide. It was published in the British Medical Journal and it's aimed at medical professionals to help them to understand how to advise women when it comes to pelvic floor muscle training or Kegels or pelvic floor exercises, which was really encouraging and I would highly recommend having a look because it's really simple, um, you know, a positive and practical change that will hopefully help loads of women when they do need help, uh, but also surprising, right, because how is this not already part of standard learning practice? So that's something I wanted to ask Dr. Adana about. People forget that pelvic floor problems affect around 15 million women in the UK. And I mean, I was so surprised the fact that simple things like teaching women how to do pelvic floor exercise at home, like that guide wasn't already there. And, um, something that affects women so much should really really be researched more as well and again prior mm-hmm. to although now I'd say it's definitely more in vogue looking after women with pelvic floor muscle problems and also research into it and treatment surrounding it but prior to this it wasn't really something that researchers or clinicians are really that au fait about so it's definitely definitely getting the interest it needs now definitely and I thought by writing the pelvic floor guide that would at least help clinicians who probably aren't too well-versed in how to offer women pelvic floor muscle exercise, particularly if they're not physiotherapists, Mm -hmm. a bit of a guide. Yeah, and I guess, so it's for like GPs, midwives, health visitors, I don't know, all of that, yeah. And they might not necessarily get um, pelvic floor training within their within their training at all or ever seen that many people or patients with pelvic floor problems so I just wanted to give them a guide that would hopefully make things easier for them but also the patients to be able to use at home as well yeah I'm so I I feel like sometimes you feel like you're in a bit of an echo chamber so I'm never quite sure but it does feel like things are changing to me and I was so surprised when I was writing the book like 
how little training people get in pelvic floor dysfunction. So like, you know, if you go to your GP for your six week check or whatever, the idea that they may well never, like never been trained to do a vaginal examination, for example, um, you know, may not have this, this basic grasp. Mm. Um, so to know that that's out there, um, to me is like, good news I think we can be positive about that no definitely I think especially with the Royal College of Obs and Gynae making their position statement in February I thought that was so important just to show obstetrics and gynecology trainees that this is something that we really really need to learn about I mean if you look at other mod- other countries like France for example they have a what they call a perineal rehabilitation mm-hmm. service for all women after they had babies so if other countries are doing it I think the UK can definitely needs to get on board and start doing things so better outcomes for women who've got pelvic floor dysfunction yeah I was really pleased to see that as well because um I'll attack well I'll talk about this now and then afterwards we let's get down back to some basics about how, what the pelvic floor <laughs> is and how it works and stuff but while we're kind of here um yeah I was really pleased to see um the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists kind of promoting pelvic health education and pelvic health physiotherapy and and the knowledge base for other kind of clinicians to offer this stuff um because I think when I was first diagnosed with prolapse or whatever I don't know it seemed to me like it was a bit binary it was like you either go down the surgery route or you go down like the physiotherapy or Mm. really just pelvic floor exercise route and so the idea that that's sort of coming together now and a bigger picture is is that how you feel about it yeah definitely I think it's just making people know that actually pelvic floor muscle exercises should really just be part of your lifestyle you brush your teeth you have a shower it should just be something that is ingrained within you because it's really important to your life and outcomes basically so it's something you should really get on board with it's so hard to do though I know (laughs) I've got that squeezy app telling me three times a day and some weeks I'm really good at it and then some weeks I'm really not but I mean, you're doing something, which is good. That's the yeah. main thing, isn't it? It's not yeah. that everybody goes to the gym every day or twice a day, do they? So it's the, as long as you, you bring it as part of your lifestyle, that's the main thing. That is very true. Um, so, okay, let's try and do a little refresher for anyone or for anyone who's new to it. Mm-hmm. So what is the pelvic floor? What are we talking about when we're talking about the pelvic floor? So we're talking about a supportive structure, which is mainly based of muscle, which helps support your bladder your vagina and your anal canal as well um like any muscle it usually has a constant tone but it will relax and contract voluntarily and involuntarily uh particularly for moments where there's an increase in pressure in your tummy for example if you sneeze cough if you sit stand up sit down squat to stop you from basically leaking urine stool Mm -hmm. Basically, it's also very important with your sexual function as well. Mm-hmm. So it, I, it does loads of things, and it's it's a really complex. <laughs> yeah, it's really complicated, isn't it? Mm. And yet, I had barely heard of one until it all went sideways. <laughs> it's just I, just, I don't know. I'm glad things are changing now, definitely. But I mean, prior to that, it just wasn't something that people really were talking about. And then actually back to, sorry, the college statement. I mean, they said that 70% of women hadn't even seen a healthcare professional with regards to their symptoms. And the majority of the women who didn't was because they're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And then if there's that culture of actually this is a shameful diagnosis or something that's actually just normal part of childbirth, then 
clinicians are never going to see it. And then it's just a vicious cycle of nobody wants to attend a clinician, but then also clinicians then not knowing how to manage these things. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, but this idea that it's normal, it's out there, it's it's in, with medical professionals, it's in the whole of society. Mm. We do it to ourselves. We think it's normal, so we ignore it. We're embarrassed about it anyway. And we just try and get on. And um, in the last couple of weeks, actually, since the book was out, I've had a couple of emails from women in their 50s and 60s who have had problems for 30 years. Yeah. And if they did try and get help, there were told it was normal off you go and then lived like with leaking and horrible things and never known what it was and just thought that was it and lived with it for decades and it exactly. made me so sad um, I think that's something I commonly see in my practice as well is that really women will come in their 50s and their 60s and actually when you get to the crux of actually when the symptoms started that's been going on since they've had a baby and they just thought you know it was normal or they were just a little bit embarrassed too embarrassed to talk about it and then just haven't come f- for years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so just so going back to the practical guide which was yes. what brought me to you in the first place <laughs> when we're talking about pelvic floor muscle training what do we mean is it just kegels or pelvic floor exercises or whatever <laughs> you want to call them uh so basically pelvic floor exercises are a way to strengthen also give the muscle endurance but also help with muscle relaxation as well and I also say muscle relaxation I think it's something people often forget about a lot that you can make a muscle very 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 strong but that can also not be good in the long run because the muscle then will not know how to relax and can leave you with things like pelvic floor pain and also sexual problems as well um so there are lots of ways you could do pelvic floor muscle exercises I think the difficulty is that it's quite hard to learn just by verbal instruction mm-hmm. and actually a quarter of women although you can tell them how much to do pelvic floor exercises may not be doing them correctly um is so it a quarter I, right okay. it's a quarter so it's yeah, quite it a significant number me. of women mm-hmm. yeah and what I try and say is imagine that you're trying to hold in a wee and also hold in stool at the same time or wind at the same time um easiest ways to do it is if you can sit down first and then lie down so you can actually really concentrate on the pelvic floor muscles and try not to contract your abdominal muscles at the same time. And as, as you get more and more comfortable with them, you can then do them when you're walking around, um, do them when you're going from sitting to standing. You can involve them in functional exercises. I think that's important. The more and more you make pelvic floor exercises functional, the less likely you are to have symptoms in your normal and daily activities of living. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things like I hear often from women who are really underwhelmed with advice to mm. do pelvic floor exercises sometimes I think people can feel a bit fobbed off you go to the doctor maybe you're given a leaflet you know you've got these like you said life altering problems going on and then you're given a leaflet to go and do pelvic floor exercises but um like they do work don't they like the evidence the evidence, the evidence is, is there. there right okay yeah, yeah the, the evidence is there there was two big what we call systematic review. So they're like the top quality evidence that clinicians um, and you know chief executive and health outcomes look at, uh, which basically showed that pelvic floor muscle exercises for um, women who do them in comparison to no treatment saw a reduction in their symptoms by half or a cure. And then same with um, pelvic organ prolapse and also fecal incontinence. So there is evidence that it works. It's just sticking to it. Because yeah. you can do them here and there, but if you stick to them, you're more likely to see your symptoms improve. 
it's so it's so obvious when you think about it but I think I've said this before but I when I I mean I sort of knew when I had the prolapse that it would be beneficial and I should do pelvic floor exercises but I and I thought that I was doing them because I was just like doing them a couple of times a week or something and then a physio sort of said to me well you wouldn't expect to get a six-pack by doing a couple of squeezes no exactly a a couple of sit-ups every now and then but it's a very good analogy definitely but I do say to women that I see that because I know you can you can give people as many leaflets as they want but actually I don't think it's that helpful um I think that if you find you know a good guide that can teach you also reminders like you said the squeezy app can be also helpful as well but if you had a had a really good go and you just don't think your symptoms are getting any better definitely important to go and see your general practitioner then they then come afraid to a urogynecology service who often will have a physiotherapist as well yeah because of course I, you know there's a spectrum of all these problems and the ways that they can affect women and I guess pelvic floor exercises is going to be great for some people on that spectrum and then it is not going to work for everyone is it mm, no exactly and there will be some number of women who no matter how much they do pelvic floor exercises will still benefit from further treatment be that with additional devices to supplement their pelvic floor muscle exercises or if they need surgery, the option being there as well. Or in the mm-hmm. context of prolapse, even possibly a pessary or, you know, if they're leaking urine, there are also some really good devices that they can use to try and prevent the leakage of urine. So there are lots of options available. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing that help is there. Yeah. So not being too embarrassed to seek it. Totally. And and um, there's a preventative effect as well isn't there because I think um, that's always a, it's always a hard one because you're always like because I think with a lot of these problems certainly you're always like oh you blame yourself and you're like what if I'd done this what if mm. I hadn't done that what if I'd birthed better what if I'd done more pelvic floor exercises there's sometimes a bit of a difficult one to hear but I on like a population level that prevent we think these things can prevent 100 percent. Right? I was part of the nice guideline committee that wrote the new um guide on prevention of pelvic floor muscle dysfunction and what they found was that not only prevention um, of pelvic floor dysfunction can be done with pelvic floor muscle training and it's actually cost effective as well so one thing they brought out of the guide was to try and make sure that you can bring in pelvic floor muscle education within schools because actually I think the younger you teach young girls and even young boys about the importance of your pelvic floor the more likely it's ingrained within them and they're going to seek help if they have problems later on and also implore methods to prevent them having problems so I think education is so important I agree so much like often people say oh uh Helen you know shouldn't we be telling people in pregnancy you know shouldn't we be teaching people about all this and I used and then there's that whole well we don't want to scare people what can happen all this I was like no we should be teaching it from the get-go from kids yeah of course and I think it's important I completely echo what you say about there's this fear about scaring people in antenatal, antenatal classes and during birth but I think that you have to appreciate that this this is their woman's own body and they should be able to make an informed choice about their delivery 
and their labour process. So if you don't give some, someone all the information, then you're doing them a disjustice. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I be really nosy? Do you know yes. what I'm just imagining? Like, do you have girlfriends, people around you who are having babies? Do they always like, yes. like Adana, I want to ask you everything. Yes. Or Adana, don't tell me anything. I'm everyone's <laughs> personal obstetrician and gynecologist <laughs> of all my friends. <laughs> but it's fine. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> They just leave you kind of quaking in their boots. No, it's fine. <laughs> they leave informed and ready to make decisions. Um, uh, so yeah, you mentioned the new guidance that came out in the last couple of years. And mm. again, like for me, so this is, it's the, yeah, you said it, the guide the guidelines for prevention, prevention of and pelvic, non-surgical yeah, management. management. Yeah, so, so like, conservative measures and non-surgical management of pelvic floor dysfunction. So a big part of it was looking at the prevention. Yeah, and I I think I'm right in saying that it's the first time anything like that has existed. No, definitely. So, so that feels quite significant and positive in itself, right? Mm. Just the fact of that existing. Exactly, and it came off the back of the Cumberledge report, which mm-hmm. just showed how many women were suffering after having invasive procedures for pelvic floor dysfunction. With the mesh, yeah. Exactly. So I do think it's so important this guideline was put out because it's really showing the public that prevention is key and there are conservative measures that can be done first before we think about going to surgery because one in ten women will need to have surgery but of those women quite a few of them may need recurrent surgery or more invasive procedures so we can actually prevent women from getting that getting to that stage in the first place the better it's really hard isn't it because I think back to the first time when I got my um, consultant appointment after having the prolapse and all you like it's so shocking and sad like and horrible this thing that's happened to to your body and you feel so alien with it all and all you want is a quick fix I'm just like this is horrible I have a prolapse please just fix me put it all back where it came from Mm. and let me just crack on as it was before but I don't know it's just I just you must see women like that all the time it must when they come to you they're like Adana please fix me it must be difficult to explain what's going on really and I think I'm really I think all clinicians of you know we really really take into account the importance of informed consent so as long as you are fully aware of all the risks and benefits of any management option be that conservative changing your lifestyle surgical measures and then you can sit down and make a decision nothing is a quick fix because you need to think about the long-term implications and then actually if somebody has thought about all the long-term implications and still wants surgery then unless there's a significant reason for us to say no, then that will be offered. But we do have to make it clear that unless these management conservative measures are addressed or your lifestyle has changed, for example, losing weight, stopping smoking, um, actually, I can do all the surgery in the world, but your symptoms are likely to come back. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, like, for, for women who've maybe got uh, an appointment coming up with someone like yourself, or you're a gynecologist, what advice would you give to them? Like, what can they do to get the most out of that appointment? Because they've probably waited for months and months and months, right, to yeah. see you. What can they do coming into that room that will help you to help them? Um, just making sure you've got a good timeline of your symptoms when your symptoms started. I also say try and start your pelvic floor exercises, definitely, even if you're not seeing a physiotherapist, just in the interim to seeing the seeing the consultant the specialist or the physiotherapist just because if you've already started that's less likely to delay your management and if you're 
not always bringing somebody to advocate with you can help. So a family member, you know, a sister, a mum, somebody that can help you or be there to support you. Because I completely understand it can be embarrassing to talk to somebody that you don't know about these intimate details. But sometimes having a, a friend or a family member there who's, you know, been with you through it can often help. That's such a good idea. I've, it's never occurred to me to bring someone a lot apart from, apart from to bring someone to look after the kids <laughs> so that I can go in and have the appointment mm. but um yeah that's such that's such good advice and I, like not wanting to like talk you out of a job or anything but if you could like maybe wave a magic wand what's like the one thing you wish women would know about when it comes to pelvic health that would you know fix it for generations to come <laughs> oh pe- pe- pelvic floor muscle exercise <laughs> yeah, definitely I just think it's I mean, I'm one of, with my friends, I'm always telling them that everybody <laughs> needs to be doing their pelvic floor muscle exercises. Just because, yes, we may feel fine now, but we don't know in years to come how 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 pelvic floor will be. So if you just bring it into part of your everyday life. Yeah. And I, one of the complicating factors for me recently, especially, is there's kind of been a thing on Instagram, I spent a lot of time on Instagram recently. It's like Kegel, don't Kegel, Kegel, don't mm. Kegel. And it's like, oh, it's such a confusing picture when you have these issues. You Google it, you don't know where to go, you get such conflicting advice. And now there's this whole kind of Kegel, don't Kegel thing. And I think it comes out of what you were talking about um, initially about the fact that we have to learn to relax you know, use our pelvic floor yes. muscles in their full range. It's mm. not all about tightening, tightening, tightening. And depending on what's going on with an individual maybe you have to concentrate on one thing rather than the other no, exactly and I think that's a difficulty with social media is that a lot of things will be put out and it's quite hard to decipher which is what knowledge is correct and what knowledge is applicable to you yeah um, but like you said with the pelvic floor relaxation is just as important as contraction so if you were to do a th- three second squeeze it's important you do the equal amount of relaxation mm-hmm. um just because any muscle if it's overworking and it's too tense then that's going to cause completely different symptoms than you started with and I do think if for example if you're like I said if you're really struggling with pelvic floor exercises getting referred to see a physiotherapist is helpful because then they can properly examine you and see actually how tense or well relaxed the pelvic floor is and actually how how the tone of the pelvic floor is contributing to your symptoms yeah, absolutely. I would love it if everyone just had physiotherapists on tap. We need to move to France. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a bad idea. For many, for many Thank you to Dr. Adana Okai Halam. For me, that was a really interesting peek into what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to pelvic health. You know, there's clearly a way to go, but if we're on the road to better informed professionals and more of a focus on pelvic health throughout our lives, then I'll celebrate that. (laughs) And I'll I'll put the links in the show notes to the papers that we mentioned. As ever, I'm not a medical professional. This isn't intended as medical advice. The book, my book, is called Why Mums Don't Jump, Ending the Pelvic Floor Taboo, and it's available now. If you've read it and you liked it, please leave a review because the algorithms apparently like that. It helps other people to find it. If you've done that already, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. You can find me on socials at whymumsdontjump or online at whymumsdontjump.com. See you next week.